yo, I don't think we should talk about oh, this. Come on, why not? People might misunderstand what we trying to say, you know? Come on. Let's talk about Like, I want to keep saying, like, let's talk about that. Like, that's the jam, right? Okay, y'all weren't, y'all may not have been alive, but salt and pepper. So, um, sex. Let's, uh, really? Really? Okay. Let's talk about that. Now, I, uh, I gotta say, first off, I missed y'all. I missed not being here. I love. This, I love what we get to do, and I love the one person who decided to clap awkwardly in the back, because I don't know what was going on there, but I, uh, I really, really did miss y'all, and I'm very thankful last week that Trey Hildebrandt came to speak. Did y'all enjoy Trey? Yeah. He, uh, all I've heard is that there were a lot of come-ons and amen and all those, like, things coming up, hallelujah, all that stuff, so he apparently did a better job than I ever um, but no, I'm glad he was here. I'm thankful for his wisdom. Thankful for the word that he brought because I believe that this series, right, we are talking about sex and we are talking about dating and we are talking about all those things that are involved and kind of what I believe every one of us would have a little bit of interest in. Um, and here's what I also believe, that this series has the possibility of being one of the most impactful ones that we ever do here at C12. Because we are speaking right into the hearts of the places that you are living, the things you are going through, and really, ultimately, who you are. So Trey played a little game last week that I thought I'd play as well, and I really want to pose the same question he did. So regardless of your past, regardless of your ignorance, regardless of anything before, how many of you in this room, by a show of hands, would one day like to have sex? Can we just, yeah? Is that... Exactly. That's what I thought. <laughs> this side of the room went. Let's, let's just call it what it is. And if you just said this guy, like you were, what's got two thumbs and wants to have sex one day, like that thing, that, let's, we need to have another talk. Uh, but the truth is, all of us, this is, this is a reality for all of us in the room. We need to understand how to find the truth when it comes to sex. When it comes to sex as being primarily in this room a single college-age person, but also setting up a framework so that you can understand and enjoy everything of what sex is inside the design of how God has created it. Because God is the one that created sex. He created it as a gift for us. It is a holy act that we get to partake in inside the design of how he created it. And so last week, Trey spoke generally to, um, well, I know that we like peppered throughout the room some other like estrogen on this side. It's just for your sake, because this would be the ugliest side of the room I've ever seen if there weren't a few girls in here. So yes, Trey primarily spoke to these guys last week and speaking to the heart of a man. And this week, what we want to do is speak to the heart of a woman and go after that. And so Trey isn't man enough to talk to girls, so I got tasked with that, right? No, that's not the case. I'm not a girl. Um, newsflash. I'm not. Um, this is real right here. I don't think any of y'all have that. Uh, I can sorority squat with the best of them, but I don't know that. <laughs> not a girl. But there's some truths that God has given us about sex 
about dating, and, and ultimately about your heart that we're going to speak into tonight. But before we get there, um, don't, don't, be, uh, don't be discouraged, guys, because here's the truth. You might get more out of this tonight than the girls will. Uh, if nothing else, this is essentially a blueprint. I'm giving you a cheat sheet. Because one day you are going to want to know how to date one of these hot girls. You're going to know how to pursue one of their hearts. And one day you're going to be married to a girl that you get to experience sex with for the rest of your life. And it's awesome. So you're welcome for what we're going to talk to you about tonight, okay? You're welcome. But the primary thing we want to go after is a woman's heart. And see, that's, that's the key of it, really, I think, because... Before I got into, uh, as I was working through tonight, figuring out what it was I wanted to teach and crafting this message, I realized I might need to get this message vetted out a little bit because I'm not a girl. So I ran this by two women that I know really well, a really good friend of mine and my wife. And my wife's like my biggest critic in the best possible way. And so they both read over this and they said, yep, I think that's exactly where we want to go. Because the goal for tonight is this, that you would walk out of this building tonight with a restored and a refreshed heart when it comes to sex, girls. That you would understand the treasure of sex, the beauty that is you, and the importance of obedience all wrapped inside the freedom of God's grace. Now, I think this is an issue and this is a topic that every single one of you are going to relate to, and for the few girls on this side. Because I think there are even guys on this side and on that side that ultimately would would have a piece of this. It's going to hit your heart. You're going to understand that sex is something we need to talk about. Last week, Trey talked through a few barriers that we wanted to break down. And one of those barriers is the cultural barrier. The fact of sex is literally everywhere that you look. How many of y'all play trivia crack? Trivia crack? Okay, first off, you can ask a few in here. I will dominate you. Second... I, I, like, I don't think Kate Upton is attractive anymore because of how many times I have to see that stupid game of war, whatever it's called, ad. Like, I want to play Trivial Pursuit on my phone when I'm doing nothing. I don't want to be bombarded by the, just, it's, it's everywhere. And you don't have to seek it out. It will find you. It is a product of our culture. It is a product of our world. And I, what I want to talk about tonight is what would God want to say to you when it comes to sex, women, what is it that he would want to say to you about who you are and about your heart? Now, there's something else I know. Um, women are really confusing. You are, can I get an amen? That's what I'm talking about. I see you. Because I, I can say that because I'm not a woman. I, like I, there are things about you that I just don't understand. I'm married to an incredible woman. She is the love of my life. She is outstanding. She's my best friend. We could, like Literally, I could spend all my days with her. That's why I chose to love her and said, will you be my wife? And I committed myself to her the rest of my life because I love being with her. But there's some things about her that I'm just like, what? Are, who are you? I don't understand. Like, Why is it that you weekly, things happen? Like, what made you think that? What? Why would you... like? What would you say that? What's happening in your mind? Why do you need to try on five different outfits before we go out tonight? Girl, you are fine. You don't need to wear anything special. I don't understand. And if you're cheering because you think my wife is fine, we'll fight. 
But there are things about you women I just, I don't get. I don't understand. But I don't think that it's just me. And I don't think that it's just guys. See, I actually, I think it's the world in general. That there are a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings when it comes to the heart of a woman. And that our culture has missed on a lot of it about the truth of who you are and the beauty that you are and the treasure of sex that you get to experience and the beauty that is within you and the importance of obedience that God will want you to live in, all wrapped inside his grace. I think that the world has missed on this. And I know this because of conversations I've had with my beautiful wife. See, when we got married, uh, we got to talk a lot about our stories. I knew everything about her. She knew everything about me that you possibly could in marriage. And five years in, almost five years in, I realized there's so much I don't know about this woman. It's awesome. It's a consistent mystery that I just always get to figure out. I love it. But on our wedding day, I had a gift for her. We exchanged gifts. We've been married a little over four and a half years. And the gift that I gave her is something that was given to me 10 years ago. It was a book called Captivating. And the book called Captivating really speaks into the woman's heart, the captivating beauty that a woman is. Now, you may think, why in the world would someone give you that? Well, um... Let me just tell you a little bit of, about the context. I was weird when I was growing up. I, uh, no, not, listen. <laughs> Zach Morris, time out. No, no. I prayed for my wife from the time I was 14. That's strange. Don't, oh, that's bad. Like, that's, there's something messed up when you just, okay. And because of it, I knew that one day I'd want to give my wife this gift because I wanted her to be someone that was a captivating and beautiful woman. So I talked to my dad about this. My dad's my best man, and he knew this. My dad worked for Lifeway for 32 years as a, as a manager throughout different stores. So he was at a conference that John and Stacy Eldridge were teaching at, and they are the people that wrote both Wild at Heart, Going After Guys, and Captivating, Going for, Toward Women. Wild at Heart was a huge book, very instrumental book in my life and becoming who I am. And I knew that this would be the same towards a woman. So I actually got a signed copy to me. And they signed it, Matt, as you pursue your beauty. Now, now, just time out. They weren't talking. I mean, I know I'm beautiful, right? <laughs> Flawless. But <laughs> they were actually talking about the capital B, beauty, the woman that one day I would be with, the woman that one day I would find and I would get to love and cherish and speak beauty into her. And they had no idea that her name would be Larson. That's six and a half years later we get married. What they knew inside of that book and what they know to be true in writing that to me is that there is something intrinsic inside of every woman that is beautiful and that is captivating. And so the actual introduction of this book speaks to it perfectly. And I want to read it to you. As they talk about womanhood and biblical womanhood and the truth of who you are as a woman. It says, so, is a true woman Cinderella or Joan of Arc? Mary Magdalene or Oprah? How do we recover essential femininity? That's a, that's a tricky word, femininity, okay? How do, we do, how do we recover essential femininity without falling into stereotypes or worse, ushering in more pressure and shame upon our readers? That is the last thing a woman needs, and yet there is an essence that God has given to every woman. We share something, women, deep and true down in our hearts. So we venture into this exploration of femininity by the way of the heart. What is at the core of a woman's heart? 
What are her desires? What did we long for as little girls? What do we still long for as women? And how does a woman begin to be healed from the wounds and tragedies of her life? Sometime between the dreams of your youth and yesterday, something precious has been lost. And that treasure is your heart, your priceless feminine heart. God has set within you a femininity that is powerful and tender, fierce and alluring. No doubt it has been misunderstood. Surely it has been assaulted. But it is there, your true heart, and it is worth recovering. You are captivating. And see, I know that a lot of you probably came into this room tonight with a lot of baggage, a lot of bruises, a lot of wounding, a lot of things within your heart that you may not even necessarily be proud of. Maybe you were the one that instigated it, and maybe you weren't. Maybe you never asked for the pain that you experienced. But what we're going to talk about tonight under the context of sex is that you are captivating women. And there is something inside your heart that God wants to to unveil inside of you, that God wants to heal inside of you, and that God wants you to absolutely understand is completely how he designed you to be. And so there are two things I want you to understand primarily tonight. If you want to follow along in your notes, on a little bulletin, you can do that. Because the very first one is this. God can restore your heart. The first thing I want you to understand is that God can restore your heart. God can restore your heart. Let's say that together. The first thing I want you to hand is this. God can what? Restore Restore your heart. For you overzealous ones that want to keep going, that's fine. But I just was looking for the one word. God can restore your heart. Now, men... Again, I'm speaking towards them, but I'm really speaking to you too. One of the main things we've been praying tonight is that you would understand the reverence that God has towards a woman's heart. That you would have, maybe even inside of you, a renewed respect, a revering for who they are. And that you would be leaders, like Trey talked about last week, and going after their heart, pursuing them by pursuing God first. I I see, like... Y'all are just jumping all over them because I'm taught like, you don't hear them going, yeah, that's right. Those girls. Right? Like, but, it, but it's true. No matter what's happened, God can restore your heart. Now, this may seem difficult for some of you to understand. This may seem difficult for some of you to believe is even possible because of one little word that I absolutely hate. It's called shame. And shame is something that occurs the moment we become disobedient to God. Disobedient to God's design, disobedient to God's desires, and disobedient to God and how he'd want us to live. It's what rushes through us in waves the moment we sin. It's what caused Adam and Eve to hide in the garden from God. They committed sin, they were overwhelmed with shame, and they hid from God, from his presence, from his love, from his fatherhood. And it's the exact same thing that causes you to lose your confidence of the beauty that you are and the beauty that God made you to be. So, in order to fight shame, I want to drop a little bomb on that. And it's called this word, grace. The main primary prayer that I've been praying for you tonight, women and guys, is that you would be overwhelmed by God's grace. That you would understand His grace. And maybe for some of you, you need to understand that He can restore your heart. Because maybe you've gone too far, right? Maybe you pushed the boundaries. You messed up. 
Maybe for some of you, you have a sexual history and you fooled around. Maybe you've crossed the line, you've broken physical boundaries, you sinned, you've had premarital sex. And now you would say that you've lost your purity. That you no longer have a purity or that you've got to fight to get back your purity because of something you've done. And what I want you to understand tonight, I had to write it down to make sure that you understand exactly. Just because you've had premarital sex doesn't make you less holy than the virgin. If you've had premarital sex, then please understand that you haven't lost your purity. Your purity isn't based on what you do or don't do. Your purity is based on what Jesus did. So just because you may have messed up, it by no means means that you have lost your purity. I was not married as a virgin. Yet when I found my wife on our wedding night, we experienced sex with full purity. Because we went to God with our past, we went to God with our history, we went to God with our mistakes, and we asked Him to forgive us, overwhelm us with His forgiveness, overwhelm us with His love, with His kindness, with His mercy, and with His grace. And we didn't deserve it. It's nothing we can do to make it on our own. It's nothing we can abstain from or ignore enough. Jesus freely gave it to us. And we got to experience an awesome and tiring first night. Not Well, yeah. Mm. Tiring because we were up for about 18 hours, not because of what you're thinking. You perverts. No, I'm just kidding. Here's, here's what I want you to understand. You may think that you've lost something because of your past, but you have to understand that there's something far greater than your past that is actually going on inside your heart. Proverbs 31.30 speaks exactly into what it is that, that makes you beautiful, that makes you who you are, that allows you to have that sense of purity, that sense of, of identity. And it all comes from Proverbs 31.30. It says this, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Guys, that's what you look for. And ladies, that's who you are. That if you would start to find your identity, find yourself in who God has, has designed and created you to be, you will see that there is something far greater than your outside, ethereal, external beauty. That there's something intrinsic of how God's made you that is beautiful. And when you understand this, it brings a freedom that you've never experienced before. Because His grace is great enough to restore you. God can restore your heart. But once He restores your heart, He's also going to want to do something else. He's going to want to refresh your heart. And that's the second thing. God will refresh your heart. You want to follow along? God will refresh your heart. God can restore your heart, and then God will refresh your heart. And maybe you can simplify that statement down a little bit more, down to this. Don't be desperate. Do be determined. Don't be desperate. Be determined. Here's what I mean. We're going to talk about something. Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, shoot, he said it. Yep, I did. I did. I did. Fifty Shades of Grey. Listen. This piece of graphic fantasy fiction seems to be the steamiest piece of literary porn that has come out in the last few decades. Just call it what it is. That thing has sold over 100 million copies. Listen, 
They're doing something right, okay? A hundred million copies. Maybe they're not doing something right. Maybe that book actually speaks into something that's true. And that's why it's so popular. But the, the problem is, as it speaks into your heart, books like that, things like that in our culture, those fantasy fiction novels, those overly, overly romantic Hollywood movies, right? Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams. Listen, if you're a bird, I'm a bird. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, okay? <laughs> I know who I am, and I'm going to be me, and you go be you, and then let's do that. Because a healthy relationship is two healthy people. So... We have these things like Fifty Shades of Grey and these over-romantic Nicholas Sparks movies. And maybe it's your friend's relationships. And maybe it's your parents. And maybe it's this fantasy of what you want to find one day. The trouble with all that is that it can microwave your sexual desires and your desire for intimacy. It microwaves it to this unhealthy level rapidly. And it leaves you with a deep yearning to find and fulfill something inside of you. Maybe you want that same connection that you just read about, but while microwaving your emotional desires, while that may be wrong, what I want you to hear is, those desires are not wrong. It is in no way wrong for you to desire sex. It is in no way wrong for you to desire a husband, to desire intimacy, to desire a story that's worthy of Hollywood. Desiring that is not wrong. You know why? Because God made it. Because God gives you that desire. Because he wants you to experience the greatest love story ever. But here's the other thing I know. That Mr. Gray and all his 50 shades ain't got nothing on God. You want to talk about graphic novels? You want to talk about steamy, sexy scenes and fantasy? It's right here. There's a book called Song of Songs that literally trumps everything ever written. Fabio wouldn't even have a place in this thing, okay? <laughs> it's called Song of Songs. And what I want to do is I want us to turn there. So you can turn there. There's a Bible under your chair. Song of Songs in the Old Testament. One book after Proverbs. Proverbs, Song. I, I totally got that wrong. Song, Proverbs. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So the other thing you can do, though, is you can look up here. We're going to have it on the screen. And I want to read to you some of those steamy scenes, so that you can understand that God designed sex in all of its wonderful, steamy, sweaty glory. God designed it, and he's for it, inside the confines of how he designed it and what he intends for it. So let's read Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 10, and get ready. This is the woman talking to her husband, talking to her man. Listen in. Follow along. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is purest gold. His hair is wavy and black as, raven, black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk, mounted like jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice, yielding perfume. His lips are like lilies, dripping with myrrh. His arms are rods of gold, set with topaz. His body is like polished ivory, decorated with lapis lazuli. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend, daughters of Jerusalem. And now look at the man's response to the woman. Two chapters later, chapter 7. It's there, right there on the same page, verses 1 through 9. This is his reply. 
How beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands. Your navel, your belly button, your midriff is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are the pools of Heshbon by the gate of Bath-Rabim. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like royal tapestry. The king is held captive by its tresses. How beautiful you are and how pleasing, my love, with your delight. Now listen, this is, this is about as lovely as you get, okay? Like, you want to read poetry? Boom, there it is. You can't write that. And this is God's word. Guys, what, like, don't do this in dating, okay? Or they're going to think you're really creepy and weird. <laughs> don't talk about her breasts being like two fawns. That's just <laughs> word of the wise. Don't do that. But the imagery that this paints of something written thousands of years ago allows us to understand that God designed this. This is his word. These are his words to us. And for some reason in his sovereignty, he decided to put an entire book written about love and desire and sex. And it's all written within the confines of marriage. It is not designed to be experimented with, played with, toyed with, or tasted until marriage. But please, please don't think that for one instance, the desires that you have for sex are wrong. They are not wrong. They are from God. And they are meant to be fulfilled and enjoyed inside the design of how he created them. Look what I mean. If you go a little bit further on, Song of Songs 2.7 a little bit further back, in Song of Songs 2-7, you don't have to turn there, I can read it. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. That means marriage. Our culture didn't create those emotions within you, God did. But our culture can leave you desperate to find a man. You can get swept up in all the literature. You can get swept up in all the movies. You can get swept up in all the stories. You can get swept up. Girls, let's not play like it doesn't happen to you too. You can get swept up with your eyes at how attractive that guy is. <laughs> Whoever just did that, guys, be on the lookout, okay? <laughs> She's coming. But here's the deal. What you got to understand is, it's designed to occur within marriage, not before it so desires. And what God designed and what He desires when He created sex and when He created love, when He created this, this, this erotic nature within us, this erotic sense of love, He designed it to be within marriage. So don't be desperate for a man. Be determined for God. Don't be desperate. Be determined. Maybe you need a little bit of a picture of what that actually looks like, though. PK, a few weeks ago, a little over a month ago, he spoke on Mary, Jesus' mom. He spoke on Mary before Christmas. And what he did was he spoke directly into the heart of what it looks like to not be desperate, but to be determined. And so since he is a far better communicator than I am and can speak it better than me, I want you to listen in to how he describes this 
through the story of Mary. Y'all watch. And in the midst of this, I think Mary, if anybody has a chance to step up and say, I, I had to choose who and what I would treasure. I think Mary has earned that. She was very young when she determined that she would treasure God over a guy. And as I sat with the ten women, chatted with my wife, sat inside this story, I think it's true that it's a modern-day temptation for women to put a guy before God. And the cure, the solution, <laughs> is to find your, your sense of security, identity, and somebody in God first. And if you find that in God first, then you won't have to get that from a guy. You won't even have to get that from your husband. If, if you will find that in God first, if you will find your identity, if you will find your security, if you will find your sense of somebody wrapped up in who God is and who he made you to be, you won't have to go get that from a guy. And when you have to get that from a guy, you become desperate. And desperate is blind. And desperate usually does dumb. And we see it all over the place in our culture. And we know it's true. We just hardly talk about it. Now some women are going to say, I would, I would never find my identity security in a guy. I know no better than that. And you, you've moved on to something else. But some you find your security, your identity, and sense of somebody in your body. And the culture celebrates that and encourages it. Or find your identity and sense of somebody in your career. Or find it in your possessions. The point being, I think Mary would tell us, is anything other than in God is going to leave you soul empty. In fact, I think she'd step up and say, listen, you are a child of the king. A daughter of the king, which makes you his princess. Don't be anybody else's princess first. His princess first. You settle that in your soul, and you will have amazing freedom in this world. You don't. And often unknowingly, your desperate will cost you greatly. Because the only constant in your life is going to be God. Notice, M Mary would reveal, listen, early on, the one who knew her best was her God. And before she ever met Joseph and had the arrangement, God was with her. And God was with her all the years that she was with Joseph. But if you know her story, you know that sometime by her 40s, she was widowed. And she watched her son, Jesus, suffer through the crucifixion without Joseph at her side. But God was with her. The only constant in her life was God. He's the only constant in yours. You better find your identity, your security, and sense of somebody in the only constant that you will have in life. Strong, ladies. That is what it means to be determined. To find who you are and who God is. And how he views you and how he designed you. To find your identity in him. See, the key that you got to get is you, your treasure, the thing, that you, the thing you find yourself in most, it can never come from a guy. It can only come from God. And guys, for you, it can never come from a girl. It can only come from God. And so there are a lot of times in your life where you may feel like you've messed up or there's something wrong or there's this sin that's weighing down in your life. 
And what you got to understand is God wants to take that, that Jesus died for that. And he offers his grace so that he can restore your heart. He wants you to understand the beauty that you are. God's on the exact same side. you got to understand that there may be some pain and some shame and some guilt that you walk around with. But what Jesus came to do and what he desires to do in you, even as we talk about this context of sex, is he wants to take your pain, your shame, and your guilt, and he wants to replace it with his love, his joy, and his peace. Because the only place you can ever find your love, your joy, and your peace is in Jesus. And so Jesus can restore your heart. And God can refresh your heart, allow you to have a new mindset of understanding. I don't have to be desperate for a guy. I can be determined for God. It's a really lame picture in my opinion, but it paints it better than almost anyone I've ever heard. This girl I knew growing up, she said, you know what, I'm just going to continue to dance with God until he lets some guy cut in. I'm just going to dance with God until he lets some guy cut in. Because when it's God that brings the guy into my life, I know that it's the best possible thing for me because God has the best thing out for me. God can restore your heart. He can refresh your heart. But don't be desperate. Be determined. You are worth waiting for. There's an article I read from this girl named Bethany Jett that kind of spoke into that. That as we talk about sex, really the, the larger context of what this is for many of us is the talk of premarital sex, right? How many of you in this room are married? Can you, like, is there anyone in this room that's married? That means I get to have sex. Guilt-free sex. Okay? But if your hand is not raised, you don't. And it's really black and white, and it's really simple. There is no question of how far is too far. If you're not honoring God and doing it, it's too far. Have physical boundaries. Never, they're, they're the simplest thing in the world, okay? Never be horizontal. Never be alone. Because if you're vertical and in public doing something, you got a whole other bag of issues. Put guardrails up in your life and understand that it's worth waiting for. And Bethany in this article spoke to it beautifully. I want to read it to you. She said, marriage can be like a three-course dinner, appetizer, meal, and dessert. My marriage is like that. Dating Justin was the appetizer. Good for a short amount of time, but I was excited to have the main meal. I wanted an entire lifetime, not just dating. We've been married for almost 11 years, together for 13, and that man still gives me butterflies. He makes me strive to be a better person, and he is my teammate, partner, best friend, and so much more. But God knew that that wasn't enough. So he throws a little dessert into the mix. The dessert is exceptional. It completes the meal. I've heard hundreds and hundreds of stories that follow this pattern. Sex is introduced way too early, hearts are broken, and countless women are left wondering why they're hurt when they gave everything they had. I didn't have amazing self-esteem growing up. I wasn't a daddy's girl. I was plain-looking, mousy-haired, dressed in hand-me-downs that were popular three years before I wore them. I was quiet, a reader, invisible. So why did I think that I was worth waiting for? What was it that made me think that I wasn't just the appetizer? I've always believed that God means what he says. He said to wait, so I did. That's determined. 
I always figured that if sex was as great as the students in my high school and my college roommate thought it was, that it would be even better if I waited. That God had a blessing in store for you if you do things his way. There are many reasons to wait until you're married to have sex, but here's two at the top of my list. Number one, God said to wait. And number two, you are worth waiting for. You are worth sticking around for. You are worth it. Now come in close because I have a secret to tell you. When you're married, you get to have dessert first. I love that article. I love the language of that. I love the wording of that because it speaks directly into the freedom that you can experience when it comes to sex. God designed every single one of us in this room to experience it. It's anatomical. But he designed us to experience it because he knows that sex is not just a physical act. Sex is a spiritual act. When you have sex with someone, it is not just a physical connection that you create. You create a spiritual connection and bond with that person that will never leave you. Because sex is not just a physical act, it is a spiritual one. So ladies and men, if you go into a relationship or you go into an altercation, a physical moment with someone else, and you do it desiring to fulfill something within you, it will forever be hollow, even when you're married. My wife can never be my love, joy, and peace. She can never give that to me because she's not constant. I may outlive her. My kids can never give that to me. Nothing can ever give it to you except God because he never changes, he never leaves, and he is the only one that knows you completely. So when you enter into those moments, you can't be desperate. Fifty Shades of Grey is a lie. The notebook, it's a lie. Listen, be determined. Go after God because the moment you try to find your confidence and your treasure in a guy, you lose. You can only find your treasure and your confidence and your identity in God. So as we kind of wrap up, there are two things. In the meantime, while you're waiting to have sex, that I want to encourage you to do. Number one, don't look for a guy to fill your emotional, physical, and spiritual needs. Don't look for a guy to fill your physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. Don't look for a guy to fulfill your emotional, physical, and spiritual needs. Here's why. They never can. And the moment you seek out a guy to fulfill that within you, you just made him God. And he is not God. And he can never be God. And he will forever let you down. Okay? And the moment you do that, you just set him up for failure. And you didn't lead him well by loving him well. Because you have to understand that a guy can never provide your physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. Only God can. So don't look for a guy. Look for God. He's the only constant in your life. And number two, talk to God about your desires. It's not like they're a secret to him. It's not like you can think something and you're like, oh, I don't know that I can tell that to God. You just did. Like, <laughs> he's never been surprised, and nothing takes him like, off guard, okay? 
Here's the other side of it. Talk to God about your desires because he gave them to you. He implanted that inside of your heart. It's part of growing up. He looked at Adam and said, you got everything. You can name all the animals and play in the garden and do whatever you want. But something's not right. You need a companion. And inside the confines of that companion, wait to awaken and arouse love until it so desires. Inside of marriage, you can fulfill all those desires. That everything is free game when you're married. Everything. But in the meantime, while you're waiting, talk to God about those desires. Talk about what's going on inside your heart because regardless of what you've done before, God can restore your heart and God will refresh your heart. So my prayer tonight for all of you in this room, especially you girls, is that if you walked in here with some sense of baggage or past, maybe you messed up, maybe, heaven forbid, you had sex, that you would walk out of this room fully forgiven by the grace of God, understanding that you are a pure woman in his eyes if you would entrust your life to him and say, I don't have purity on my own. The only reason why I have purity is because of what Jesus did, not what I can do. And that that grace would be freeing. There's no reason to walk around with a weight of shame and guilt. Give it to God because he died for it. Don't, continuing, don't continue to make him feel like he's got to go back up to the cross and die yet again for your sins. He already did. He bought him. He purchased you. He bought your heart so that you wouldn't have to walk around with it. Walk in freedom of knowing that if you trust in God, if you give your life to Jesus, he makes you new. He makes you pure. And then on your wedding night, you get to have a lot of fun. Someone said, uh, this guy Jordan Crandy, he's a genius, is the last thing I'll leave you with. He said, someone asked me one time, on what date do I think it's okay to have sex? He said, on my wedding date. On the date of my wedding. God desires for you to have this. He built it inside of you, but you've got to trust in him. He can restore your heart, he can refresh your heart, but don't be desperate. Be determined. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. <laughs> thank you for how you designed us, for how you made us, for how you love us, and that you overwhelm us, God, with, with grace and with mercy, and we don't deserve it. And yet you continue to come back and say, just come to me. I know you messed up. But maybe in this place, the one thing you need to hear tonight is that God is a good father and that his kindness is greater than anything you can do. You can never mess up so bad that God can't save you. You can never go too far that God can't reach you. And you can never run far enough away where God can't find you. So, Father, I pray that you would allow every single person in this place tonight to experience the freedom that you would desire for us to have, the grace that you want to shower us with, the love that you want us to experience. Because, Father, the truth is, that's what Jesus died for. That's why he came here. That's out of the love that he has for us, that he has for us, that we can experience the freedom and the fullness of sex in our life and in our world. But, but God, at the heart of it, at the heart of all this, lies this identity issue. So may every guy in this room realize that he can never find his identity in a girl. He can only find it in God. 
And every girl in this room realized that she can never find her identity in a guy. She can only find it in you, God. So would you be our father? Would you draw us along? And God, I pray that if tonight anyone in this place is overwhelmed with brokenness, is overwhelmed with shame, is overwhelmed with guilt, maybe they've messed up and maybe they can't get past the barrier that says you are too far gone and you can't experience the goodness of what God would have for you. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would eradicate that lie. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak truth into the hearts of those people tonight and that you would overwhelm them and encapture them, Father, with your grace, with your love, with the free gift of Jesus. Because in him we find our identity, in him we find our salvation, in him we find our hope, and in him we find our forgiveness. You literally make us new. We are a new creation in you. And so, God, I thank you that we can do nothing to mess that up. We can never go too far to take away the salvation that you give us because you do all the work and it's fixed in heaven. So may we point our eyes to heaven instead of to the opposite sex. May we seek out to please you before pleasing any guy or girl. And may you allow us to find our identity in you because that's the only true place we can ever see it. Oh, Father, let freedom run wild in this place. Let grace overwhelm us and let us understand the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That you made us as sexual creatures to experience the freedom of that within the design of marriage. That you want us to have life, not death. So defeat the enemy that you've already defeated. Get rid of the sin that you've already eradicated. And allow us to live out the, the joy that you would have for us tonight. God, I praise you. I thank you that you forgave me. Because I don't deserve this. I don't even know why you let me teach this. Yet you do. So be glorified, be seen, be lifted up. And as we praise you, Father, my ask is that our hearts would be drawn to you. Our hearts would be drawn to everything of who you are. And that we worship you freely. So it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. And we're going to go into a moment of response, a moment of worship. Because maybe tonight the Holy Spirit spoke directly to your heart. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been pounding and prompting you to respond in some way. Maybe tonight you're in a relationship. You're in a relationship, girls, with a guy that you've been seeking your identity out and who that guy is. You're trying to find your emotional, physical, and spiritual needs in him. And my prayer for you is that over the next few moments that the Holy Spirit would prompt you so much and you'd have so much courage that you would become determined to make a wise choice and get out of that relationship. Guys, maybe for some of you tonight, it's realizing I have, not I have not respected the girl that I'm with. I have not revered girls with my eyes. I have not understood the beauty and the truth that's in their heart. I've looked at them as objects, not as God's princesses, not as his daughters. See, every time in Scripture where we see it talk about this, this uniting of sex and marriage, it talks about my lover, my friend. My bride, my sister. There is so much more than physical attraction that goes into sex. And maybe tonight for all of us in this room, God wants to refresh our minds and our hearts to that. So if he's prompting you, pray. Tell him your desires and ask for help. Give me your wisdom. 
And for some of you, it's going to be through singing, through song, by standing up and unashamedly and unabashed giving everything you have to God because he's given everything for you. So as we go into this moment, my ask is that you would respond to the Holy Spirit, not to the person around you, not even to my ask. But as the Holy Spirit leads you, respond. Maybe it's praying, maybe it's talking with a friend, maybe it's having a tough conversation, or maybe it's standing up and worshiping. Let's all do that really well in the next few moments.